0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans podcast where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob.
1: And I'm Natasha.
0: In this week's Halloween episode, we are going to be reviewing Abomination, the Heir of Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. And then in a totally unrelated Halloween game, Natasha is going to be reviewing Diced Veggies. Right? Diced Veggies? Yep. I guess either way you're dicing stuff up and cutting things and blah you know, blah blah. You know
1: fall is like all about the gourds, like you you know root vegetables. So, I think there's a lot of root vegetables in this game.
0: Yeah, it's squash, the other stuff,
1: pumpkins. Pumpkins.
0: Gorms. Yeah, exactly. It is so it is the fall season. It is Halloween. This is the Halloween episode. Ooh, spooky ghost. <laughs> um, so we know you hate Christmas. We know you hate a bunch of other holidays.
1: I don't hate them, but yes, continue. Uh,
0: well, I mean.
1: I dislike you know. them, but yeah.
0: I mean, close enough. Hatred, dislike, close. Anyway, Halloween. How do you feel about Halloween? Where are you at?
1: I like Halloween. I love, I love staying home and passing out candy. That's my favorite, favorite thing to do. Because I get like to see all the kids come through the neighborhood and all the parents, and it's fun.
0: So your husband takes the kids out trick-or-treating while you stay home and pass out candy?
1: No. The kids can go on their own.
0: Well, they're grown now. I guess that's that's. I suppose that's fair. Yeah.
1: When the kids were little, we lived in a neighborhood that wasn't. uh, We didn't have a lot of trick or treaters. Yeah. And so now, um, now that we're the kids are older, yeah, we take turns taking them, or they go on their own or with friends, and it's. Although I do have strong opinions about trunk or treating. Have you ever heard of trunk or treating?
0: I have. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: don't know if it's if it's a Midwest thing. A lot of the churches in our area do it. You go and you hang you. It's in a parking lot, and everyone brings yep. candy, and they stand by their car, and they go around trick or treating to all these cars. And yep. I think I it, it just ruins trick or treating because like when we bought our first house, we were in like a walkable neighborhood, and they, people used to go trick or treating in that neighborhood, but then they just don't anymore because everyone goes trunk or treating, and there's like one street in town that everyone trick or treats on, and that's it, and it sucks. I'm like, I don't like trunk or treating where you just go and like. Get a ton of candy and then that's the end of it. Trick or treating should all all be about like going out meeting your neighbors or, you know, like seeing people from your neighborhood come out. It should be a time that people come to my house and get candy.
0: There's a lack of effort, not necessarily lack of effort, but it's easier to get more candy in a trunk or treat than it is just to do trick or treating. Yeah, you, you
1: just buzz around and you just get all this candy. You
0: got to work for it.
1: <laughs> I just like, I think it should be a neighborhood thing, you know? Yeah, you come out and not strictly just the neighborhood. Like I get kids coming into neighborhoods because if they don't live in a neighborhood that has you know like a walkable trick or treating area, sure. But the whole point is to be friendly with your neighbors, and trunk or treating just takes it all away. I don't like it.
0: Well, that's things have shifted a lot since we were kids. That I hate when I say stuff like that because it makes me sound like I'm fifty, even though I I mean I'm forty, so I guess I'm old, but. They just like, I don't know, back in when we were a kid, remember random people would just come to your house and ring the doorbell and you'd go answer and see who it is? If you didn't know somebody was coming over and all of a sudden your doorbell rang, would you answer it? Me right now? Yeah.
1: No. No. Well, I mean, I'd look out the window.
0: You would like creepily look out to see who it is. And if you didn't know who they were, you'd be like, I'm not answering that door, you know? So things have like things have shifted with that. That said, I do agree. I like I like the idea of trick or treating. We I my wife and I live in a like a subdivision. Maybe mm-hmm. we're part of an HOA, which has its goods and bads. But what's nice is our community is I think it's like eighty five houses, and everyone usually is you know has their lights on. So trick or treating is actually pretty decent. Like last year, the kids got like cotton candy. Because uh, one of them had like a cotton candy machine and stuff like that. People decorate,
1: mm-hmm. stuff
0: like that. So, you know, something like that, it's nice because kids can walk. You can walk in the middle of the street. There's no cars because it's almost like living on a cul-de-sac.
1: Yeah, they're, they're going real slow.
0: Right. Like nobody's going into the in our community unless they're visiting somebody or they live there. So the traffic's real low. So you can walk like you. Everyone walks in the street, you know, trick-or-treating to everything like that. Like, yeah. We have a lot of yeah. houses who de- do decorations. We do decorations. I have a haunted graveyard that I do with a uh, fog machine, black lights and stuff. So
1: Yeah, our our subdivision also gets really into trick or treating. It's a big place to come. A lot of people come to our subdivision to go trick or treating yep. and like our neighbors go all out and like one of them does a, a haunted like a haunted house through their garage. You can go through yep. the garage and they've got a little maze. And it's so fun and I I just love all the energy that that brings and I think it's fun and I get to see everybody come out with their kids and you know it's fun
0: see all the costumes or whatever yeah it's pretty it's pretty interesting
1: mm-hmm. they did some fun things during covid too to keep like the social distancing and then everyone felt bad and bought like full-size bars it was a big deal but you get so much candy sugar or and like i don't yeah. think you need to go and like get more candy quicker like they get a ton of candy that's fine you know the point isn't the candy the point is to go around and, and you you get it right you got to work yep. towards it that's the yeah. fun you, you know? got to work
0: for it. You can't just get it. You got to work for it. Yeah. I can like, go to the store yeah, and buy yep. my
1: kids candy. I want them to have candy. Like, <laughs> Yeah, the, right. The fun is the trick-or-treating.
0: Yeah, I agree. They. It's funny because do you know like um, houses that will leave a bowl out and it's just like just take one?
1: Uh-huh.
0: Those types of things. So when we, the house we lived in before we bought this house uh we used to do that cuz we both kids were young we both wanted to like go trick or treating with them so we'd always set that out and we'd have a sign like please take one you know that sort of thing. In the neighborhood we lived in honestly we just assumed people would dump the entire bag in there. Like we just mm-hmm. assumed people would take it. Every time we came back it was com- still completely full. Like people legit just took one, right? Aww. And I was like, "All right, like that's cool." So then we moved to this neighborhood which is like quieter than our other na- than the neighborhood we lived in previously, and we did that one year, and I remember we went to like two or three houses, and I was like, oh shoot, I need to go back for something. Like I don't remember what I needed, but like like hat or gloves. It was cold because we live in Michigan, and every Halloween it's like cold and rainy, which sucks. So I I ran back to the house, and we had been gone for like five minutes, ten minutes. I don't not very long. That entire bowl gone. Oh, somebody dumped it all into their bag and just like,
1: oh my gosh!
0: <laughs> oh man! I although I remember as a teenager, if I would see a bowl like that, I'd probably take it all too. You know, you 12, 13. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so I get it. I get it. I don't think you should do it, but I get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I like getting
1: a fire going and sitting outside and you know my front porch and people come up. It's fun
0: yeah I normally dress up now what my wife takes, especially now that we have like a like a we have a haunted graveyard type thing, mm-hmm. and because we have that like my wife takes my daughter uh trigger treating my son he's not really into it anymore, which is fine he doesn't want to do it, so I'll pass out candy, but I normally like dress up and like I try to scare the kids and stuff like that. I have spooky music going and everything like that. What I want to do at some point is do something like the haunted uh haunted thing in the garage. Yeah. What I what I wanna do is I wanna have like a like a ticket booth in the front of my driveway. But I'm gonna I need volunteers. So I want a ticket booth and I want it to be like a like a clown handing out tickets to go into the garage. And in the garage is gonna be like there's gonna be like a couple sections. One's like a meat locker where there's gonna be dude like chopping up body parts and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I want it like gross and just like I want to freak kids out like like a haunt but in my garage.
1: Yeah, like a little mini one where you just yes. kind of do a quick loop. and
0: Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll get there. Like every year we kind of add to it and stuff like that. So yeah. Maybe, maybe Zach year. would
1: have fun helping you with that.
0: Yeah, maybe or either that or he's just going to want to sit in his room and watch TV because that's he's a teenager and that's what teenagers
1: do. <laughs> maybe in a couple years he'll be up for it.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right, let's get into some games, shall we? First up, I want to talk about Abomination, the Era Frankenstein. This is a worker placement game designed by Dan Blanchett are by Mikhail Palomaruk and Tony Sart, and it is published by Plaid Hat Games. So in this game, players are scientists who have been approached by Frankenstein's monster to help accomplish what the late Doctor could not, bring to life another abomination like itself to end its solitude. So this is a worker placement game where players will be playing through rounds trying to create another abomination. Each round begins with an event phase where the first player will draw either an event or an encounter card and resolve it. Then players will place their workers in the city phase. This is where the players will go and get the body parts they need to make and finish the monster body parts. There are several locations where players can go. Most of the time, the players will be acquiring materials. So, for example, they could go to the morgue and gain parts there. Or they could go to the cemetery and dig them up. One of the things the players need to do is manage the freshness of their parts. So... You can go to the hospital and get pretty fresh body parts or you can go to the cemetery and get like really old stuff and sometimes you're only acquiring like bone. The freshness comes into play when you are making parts in the next phase, which is the lab phase. This is where players will be starting and finishing their different body parts. When a player starts or finishes a part, they will be scoring points based on how fresh of materials they use. So during this phase, players can also try to throw the switch trying to activate the different body parts, making them alive. This is done by rolling dice and depending on the dice results, you could make your parts alive or you could damage them in the process. The final phase in the round is basically just a reset phase, which is going to reset some of the cards on the board for the following round. So players will continue doing this round to round until either they've gone through all the rounds or one of the players has managed to activate each of the six body parts. Then the players are going to move into the final scoring. Whoever has the final, whoever has the highest score wins the game. I think what I really makes this game interesting. What I really like about this game is the unique theme. Like this game just, just oozes theme. It's just very oozy. It. Yes. Yes. Very very like grotesque theme. But man, this game. Okay, I want to touch on the theme, but first before we get into more of the review, I want there's a slight caveat because there's two ways to play this game. First way is just your normal rules, straight out of the box, you play the game. The version that Natasha specifically is going to be commenting on is the Igor variant, and that speeds the game up. So basically what it does is it starts you off with already a couple body parts already on your table. It kind of eliminates some of the rounds and it and it pushes some things forward. And it makes the dice less swingy. In the original game, Rolling those dice can be really tough. The only real way to mitigate them is through like certain cards that you can acquire throughout the game. But in the Igor variant, the mitigation of the dice is actually a little bit easier. So I do want to do that caveat. I'm going to kind of probably speak on both because I've played both versions. But again, it's the short version. All right. Backtrack this. Theme. Man, this game. This game has some theme
1: yes it definitely has theme and that helps with mechanics of the game like okay if i go to the, i can go to the cemetery and i can get a lot of body parts but i'm definitely not gonna get any blood there or blood at the morgue i'll have to get a fresh body if i want blood you know or give blood you know The all the different spaces you go to are very thematic the art is cool it looks nice it's got a really nice production it's a very specific style that it, that is not my style. I think it's, I think it because it's all kind of comes down to the luck of the die roll. So you you roll these dies in order to make them alive. There's like one alive but one alive face on each of the dies. So it's hard to roll. So I can't imagine playing the long version where where it's harder and just takes even longer. It felt like it felt like a long game to me. The short version felt like a long game to me.
0: So that was the one of the biggest gripes about this game is the length people thought it was too long of a game that said playing the original version without the the variant it's a long game i don't necessarily mind it though but there's going to be people who think it's too long
1: it's way too long for what it what it is if this game could have been an hour game i could have had a lot more fun like ooh, i'm going to the morgue i'm getting body parts oh i'm committing murder and i'm making this but it was it feels to me like a very, I wouldn't say a very light game, but the choices and the decisions I make aren't very interesting. And so to me, it even though it's heavier and more complicated than a light game, it doesn't offer anything more than a light game for me. But over a very long time, I really didn't like the game at all.
0: Not at all, huh? mm Okay. No.
1: I didn't like it. I like the theme. I'll give you points for theme you know, the theme worked, but it wasn't, it was either go here and get fresh body parts go here and get other body parts or go here and get, you can work on like, um, getting reputation and, and your humanity that will give you points. But it, it was just a very basic worker placement. I didn't think there was anything interesting about it except for the interesting theme.
0: Yeah, so there's there's three dials you're basically trying to manipulate throughout the course of the game. There's humanity, reputation, expertise. Humanity is going to score you points if you can keep your humanity up, but when you're making decisions throughout the game which will affect your humanity. So if you go and dig up parts from the cemetery, you might have to spend some of your humanity just because it's, you know, you're digging up body parts or going to the morgue and stealing stealing bodies affects your humanity in the game Mm -hmm. and you got to manage that so you're not scoring negative points that sort of thing um reputation helps you get more workers helps you gain better workers and then expertise is what you need in order to actually make the body parts because there's going to be a certain prerequisite you have to have a certain level in order to you know go from just the muscle and bone of the head to a, of a head that has skin on it
1: yeah and so you can go do these things that are going to increase early on you want to increase your expertise and you want to increase your knowledge so that you can build these body parts which is great but then towards the end of the game and why i think it's too long like it should have ended it should have ended before if somebody built their entire monster or it should have been easier to build your monster so that it could end sooner. Because I ended up getting all the way up in two of my dials. Like, I got the maximum amount of points. There's no reason to continue going up higher on that dial. I don't ever lose it. I'm, I'm to the max knowledge. Like, why does it continue going up? It, it did nothing for me. Y- you know, so it, it, it kind of peaked and then it continued going.
0: Yeah, some of that has to do with, like, the story and event cards. Because they're going to ask for whoever has the most of this particular thing who has the highest reputation, who has the highest expertise, and a thing will happen. Um, did you... Uh, you probably didn't care too much about the event or the encounter cards because that has, like, a story element to this game where an event will happen, like, the Frankenstein's monster is going to meet you and demand certain things of you depending on who has the highest reputation, who has the highest expertise, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, no, I didn't like that. It it just kind of was like, what's going to randomly happen? It could be good, could be bad, who knows? you know I hate that,
0: yeah, there was two things in particular with this game that I was like, I don't think she's gonna like at all. One was the like events and encounters, most of them are just like fine, but the ones that are negative towards a specific player, I just assumed you would not like, yep, and then the second thing is the dice rolls, and i and we played a much easier version of the dice than in the original game.
1: Mhm, I still don't like it.
0: I didn't think so because it was random like you don't well and that's the thing I think for me like that's part of the theme like you're trying to you know channel these your latent jars full of electricity into these body parts like you could end up screwing it up and like damaging parts and stuff.
1: So it it kind of feels like a Euro game because of the worker placement and the mechanics of the game but it's really not it's very much a a Ameritrash game with some very basic Euro mechanics. If you play it, you got to go into it knowing that this is a wild, fun Euro trash game with a lot of theme and some really basic, boring, not interesting Euro mechanics. Like, and I think that's where it fell apart for me because I was like, oh, it's worker placement. I like that. I like gathering resources, like trying to get this monster built as quick as I can. But there really wasn't an advantage to that. You know, you just want to try to get as many cubes as you can. so, So you have enough body parts to build, you know, enough resources to build your body parts. But you also need to get your expertise up so you can choose, like, I can go here and get a brain or here and get a heart, you know. It was just kind of very, very basic.
0: Okay. Basic and long. All right. i I'm a little different. I I I like this game. And maybe it's partly because of the theme. That's nice. It's such a unique theme. And there's everything you do, there's like a thematic like element to it. So, for example, you can go to the hospital and get body parts. And you can see some of you can see the top patient that you can get, but if you go to like the cemetery, you don't know what you're getting because you're digging it up. So that deck is face down. So then you have to like you can draw up to three cards and see what you get when you're digging up, you know, the graves in order to to do that stuff. The freshest and most abundant body parts you can get, you have to murder somebody in a back alley in order to do it. Um There's some card play in this game. You can go to the Academy and get uh, Academy cards, which allow you, I think research cards is what they call them, and they allow you to do certain things. They give you some additional bumps on tracks and stuff like that, or you can use them to mitigate the dice rolls. There is a church you can go to to try to repent, giving you back some of your humanity. Um, Those also do a variety of things within the game, like they could steal some resources, they could allow you to, you know collect parts at a different level instead of them being level one they're level two
1: i really hated those cards that let you steal resources from other people
0: i assumed you would i didn't think you'd like them at all you can go hire people which will like they'll go and like kill people for you that sort of thing there's cutthroats that will go get you the things that you need your uh you can go to the slaughterhouse and get animal parts You can use animal parts when creating it, but when you use animal parts that are not as good as, like, regular parts, so you're going to lose some points while you're making it. You can preserve materials, so there's, like, muscle and organs that you can preserve that you can end up selling later on when you go to specific spots. As basic as the worker placement might be, I think there's still some good choices there, because you're always trying to think about, where can I get the freshest parts, you know, to score the most amount of points? there's there's a ability to bump people out so if somebody went to a specific spot you could technically bump them you have to pay them to bump them there's two different style of workers there's scientists and there's assistants some spots require scientists um specific, some um can do either one but as you increase your reputation you can upgrade your assistants into scientists so i think there's some interesting choices here um At least for me, like there, I did find my time times like sitting there thinking, okay, what is it that I really want to do? But ultimately, what you want to try to do is create the body parts with the freshest material as you possibly can, in order to score as many points as you possibly can.
1: Yeah, there's a little bit of managing like the body parts. Okay, I'm not going to be able to get all fresh ingredients, so I might as well get less fresh ingredients because I can get a ton of cubes. You know, and, and build these, get less points, but build more. It, it was very much a, I don't know. It just didn't work for me. It wasn't interesting enough for a Euro game. There was no engine building. I didn't feel like I was accomplishing much. And it was way too long and thinky for like a good Merit thrash game. Like it wasn't the fun player interaction that I would typically like. It was just very boring Euro game but none of the Euro mechanics that I like.
0: I agree with Natasha. You have to go in thinking about, like, the experience that you're going to get. If you're a heavy Euro gamer and you love Euro games, this might not be the game for you.
1: Or you have to go in knowing it's not going to be that, your style of game.
0: Yeah. The, I, think if you want a th- I think if you want a thematic game about, you know, Frankenstein, this is the game. The, there's so many things that, like, Our theme, like I was talking about going to the cemetery, you don't know what you get. So the cards are face down every round. You have to decompose your body parts, you know, and they keep going down like you can't like storing them long term is not necessarily a good thing. You know, you if you can buy, although you can buy ice blocks to help preserve the materials a little bit better from round to round, that sort of thing. So I think there's a lot of cool thematic choices in this game. But yes, if you're looking for like a hardcore euro, this is not it. Um, what are you going to rate the game?
1: A five.
0: Ugh. That, that hurts me a little bit. Um, I'm coming in at seven and a half. I like it. I like it. It's a, th- it, the theme of the game really does it for me. I'd like this sort of theme specifically in the Halloween season. I think it's interesting. Um, having played both the fast variant and the base game, I'm cool with either one. Um, The base game is going to be longer and it's going to be a little bit harder to manage your body parts with the dice rolls because in the variant, there's a lot more mitigation. So I think having more mitigation limits how much you want to go to a specific spot on the board, which is the Academy. Because when you go to the Academy, you're going to be gaining these research cards that you can use for rerolls and having the ability to reroll stuff already without those cards because it changes the way you can use some of your latent jars having that makes that spot less lucrative i went to that spot more often to get cards in order to make sure i could reroll dice so now it's it's eliminating a spot in a worker placement game that it's not eliminating that spot but it definitely makes that spot less lucrative for people to go to i remember fighting over that spot to get those cards so i can reroll dice
1: we did that early on, though. We fought for it just for the expertise that you could get from those cards. So we didn't use them for the re-roll, but
0: because you didn't necessarily need to. So that's the other thing is, so those cards are two par- two parts, right? There, you can get expertise, you can get reputation, that sort of thing through those cards, or you can use them for re-rolls. Well, in this in the short variant, I don't necessarily care that much about re-rolls because I can re-roll stuff from already on my board. And the other thing that it allows you to do is it allows you to change one die now, not necessarily change the die face, but what you would get is you, if you rolled a broken heart, you would you're in the normal game you lose humanity. In this, you can actually pay humanity to activate a body part, so you're still you can still lose it, but it basically makes it so now two die faces are the activation of body parts. Again, having that mitigation and being able to re-roll dice as much as you want with the latent jars because. You you can get up to four, and when you charge them, you have to flip one in order to roll some dice. Each one you flip, you roll two dice. And in the new version, the shorter version, if you have four activated, and let's say you flip one to roll two dice, the other three you can use to re-roll those dice as much as you want. So it it eliminates a little bit of that card play. I thought the card play was a little bit more interesting in the longer version. Yeah, again, if you if you like games with theme, this is a good one. I think there's a lot of theme in this game. I think the theme is cool. I enjoy the game. But if you're if you're like Natasha and you don't like random events and you don't like rolling dice to see what happens, this might not be the game for you. Me personally, I like it. It's one of those games I'm going to keep and play probably every Halloween season. I'm going to force Natasha into playing it with me. <laughs> um, so yeah, that is uh, Abomination, Era Frankenstein.
1: All right. Next up, I have something on the very opposite end of the spectrum, although also very thematic. It's called Diced Veggies. So you are making recipes and hyping them up for victory points. Whoever has the most victory points at the end of the game from making hyped-up recipes wins the game. So at the beginning of the game, you'll get a couple recipe cards, and they each require a few different dice. So if you have maybe two... Uh, green dice and uh let's see i think that's a pepper dice and a pink dice which is onion and a mushroom dice you can make a western omelet and it, you can get seven victory points for so you just collect these dice you get some victory points for the um for the making the recipe and then you get these hype cards that kind of hype up your recipe and they have like rules like you would need to have like all the dice need to be sixes and then you can get extra points for them. or you must discard an extra mushroom before cooking because this recipe has truffle oil and you get th- now you get three points for each mushroom in your recipe. So all these different ways to get uh, kind of boost up the points in your recipes. But the heart and soul of the game really is the the di- the slicing of the dice. So you take the, you have this pile of dice that you roll and shape into a rectangle and on your turn you have a knife. And then you cut off a small section of dice off of the edge of any of the four edges there. It can't be more than 11 pip value. So you're limited by that, but you can take as many as you want and then use those dice to make your recipes. And then at the end, uh, at the end of your turn, you can turn them in and for, for points and then you can draw a new card. You can only have three cards at a time. So you, that's a way you can get rid of some cards maybe you don't want to work on and then you're going to continue going around slicing up dice off of this rectangle of dice until there's no there's none of like one color and then you add all the leftovers in there and reshake it up and shape it and continue going until somebody completes I think six recipes and whoever has the most points wins
0: this is such a gimmick with the knife and you're cutting the dice this is such a gimmicky thing Oh, I I'm I here say for who it. Does it. I'm who does I this? Am so for. I'm so in on this.
1: So this is published by Kids Table Board Games, and they did C- Creature Comfort, really cute cutesy games. Really, yeah, cute artwork. Um, it's designed by Josh Capel, Corey Capel, and Rowan Capel, and the art is by Claire Lynn. Yeah, so it's really cute. The art's super cute. It's just dice in this like cardboard cleaver that you're chopping the dice up, and that's it but it works.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm here for it. I want to, I want to try this game. I really like kid table board game stuff. I think the artwork that they do is really good Has a very unique aesthetic and it's consistent throughout their different games. So when you see the artwork, as soon as I pulled this up on board game geek and I saw the artwork, I knew it was kid table board games. I didn't even need to like look at the publisher or anything like that. Like I just knew which I think, I think it, Promotes that consistency for the company, but man, yeah, I want to cleaver some dice.
1: It's not, it's not heavy. It's not terribly thinky. It, you know, you're kind of, we got to make do with what what's in front of you. You know, you you can't take whatever you want. Somebody might take something that you want, but then you get lucky that because now you can reroll the dice and it, it's, it's just light, breezy, nice little filler game. Um there are some downsides uh it's not colorblind friendly at all.
0: Um Ooh yeah, we, I can see that. Yeah. We
1: played with somebody who struggled to figure out the two two of the colors. Um and some of the pips weren't colored in, which wasn't a big deal, but you know, that's not nice to play a game when the, you can't tell how many pips that night has. Like they yeah. just weren't complete they were an error in manufacturing of some sort.
0: What so, what do the pip values do besides the what you can cut and not cut,
1: yeah, yeah, you can you're limited by what you can only cut nine pip values, so you can't uh-huh. like take two sixes, and then a lot of the hype cards will give you points for like higher pipped dice,
0: gotcha, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, this game looks cool.
1: you can't cut the whole thing in half, you can only take dice on the edge so that you have one block in the middle it's it's just it's a fun. It, it's a really fun family weight game. You could play it with all ages. It says six plus. Says so a half an hour, about a half an hour, which is right. Two to four players. I mean, it, there's, it's just this lovely little cute game. That's that's about it. I, I'm rating it a seven, and I recommend it for families. I recommend it if you like light games, if you like short little filler games. You know, it's not terribly short, but it's not long. It's just, it's a nice little one. You can, you can play and have conversations while you're playing. You know, you're not, if you don't want a terribly heavy game, that's hard to teach that you can still have a conversation with while you're playing. And in your, you, you have to play with the cleaver. Like you can't just take the dice you need. You have to get the cleaver on and chop them. You know, it's part of the theme. You get yelled at if you, if you do that.
0: Did you try and get yelled at? It sounds yeah. like you tried and got yelled at. Yeah, I did. did you play this with uh with our friend ben
1: yeah Uh did he he yell at at you did he yes
0: (laughs) good good they gave you a tool use the tool (laughs) you're you try to expedite things a little faster than you really need to you know what i'm saying
1: yeah you gotta get really into the theme of the game if you're not gonna get into the theme of the game then don't play it yeah
0: Uh, yeah exactly I'm a, I am really want to get a really cool thematic kitchen style game like where you're making recipes and like doing stuff and there's been a handful that came out like uh, Kitchen Rush was real time which was a uh, you know like real time. Yeah it was it was but that's kind of something that you might need in order to like really get that feeling. There was one we played at Origins a couple years ago that I was real excited about, and like, cause you could make recipes and stuff, and it was just the theme didn't it didn't it didn't bleed theme, you know? It was just kind of basic. It was Mm -hmm. it could have been any theme, like you're just collecting resources and building. So it's you're collecting resources to build cards, you know? And it was kitchen themed, but
1: no, this one. Whenever you make the recipe, you have to announce what you made, (laughs) you know, your scrumptious veggie omelet. Or
0: that will knock your socks off with yeah. truffle oil.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> and you announce it, and everyone's like, "Ooh, that looks good." Hold on, Ooh, I want that. Yeah, that is diced veggies. I recommend it. It's a fun little game. I I don't know how you could not like it. It's pretty inoffensive, lovely little simple game.
0: Sure, sure. All right, that's going to wrap up the games we are discussing this week. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to be discussing board games as investments. (laughs) Question
1: mark? (laughs) All right, welcome back. So next up, we're going to talk about board games as investments in this kind of Uh, came from a Facebook post that somebody made and I jumped on and kind of argued about. Um, And so I thought it was funny and we could talk about it. So somebody had...
0: (laughs) You broke the number one rule of Facebook, which is arguing with somebody on Facebook.
1: (laughs) I know, I don't normally do it. I don't think I was feeling kind of feisty. And I was like, yeah, no, you know why? Because here's the original post. They posted about how they don't understand legacy games because typical legacy game, you only play 20 times and then you're done. You have to throw it away. And then I was like, whoa, 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 that's the number one draw of, for me of legacy games. I love that. I play them 20 times and then I throw them away. Like that's what makes them so wonderful. They don't sit on my shelf. I don't feel guilty about not playing them. I play them. I get rid of them. Love that. And everyone's like, yeah, you play them like, I mean, when was the last time, you know, you, you've played a game 20 times, you know, most games you legit don't play 20 times. So if you get 20 plays out of it, that's great. And he's like, well, I like my board games to be an. I think of my board games as an investment. And I'm like, well, so that's when I posted. I was like, board games aren't investments. They're toys. It's supposed to be played. <laughs> Other people were like, no, I think of my board games as an investment. So what do you think, Bob? Are your board games an investment?
0: Hmm. That is a good question. I've been thinking about this because you you brought the topic up to me and I, I was like, yeah, cool, we can talk about that. And then I hopped on Facebook and I saw that you had commented on that. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I, I like I wanted to like steer away from the post and not like think about uh you know what other people are saying. And the way I the way I think of this is, so there's two ways you can think of board games as investments. You can invest it for like long-term future gain, or you can do it as an investment into your fun that you want to have. So there's financial investment and there's personal investment. My board games are not a financial investment. I do not buy board games with a thought of, I'm going to be able to turn this around and make money on it.
1: That would be what I would define as an investment,
0: right? But is it an investment into my hobby? Is it an investment into my fun? Is it an investment in those regards?
1: Sure. So you're saying I spent a lot of money on this, but I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get something out of it in the future. That's what you're using the word investment for,
0: correct? And that's the that's the way I like I approach it. Is there's two two ways to think about the investment. There's the financial piece, and then there's the personal piece. That said, financially, I don't think investing in board games is financially viable. Now, I'm, I'm saying investing in games. I'm not saying selling games. There's a difference because we have friends who buy and sell board games. And that's part of their... They have like a business and the business is purchasing board games and then turning them around and selling them. Now, with Kickstarters... That's a little bit different because board games can now be more. There's certain things that you can get that are investment pieces, Kickstarter exclusives. So this is a lot like, um, like collectible card games. Like you can buy Magic the Gathering stuff as an investment. Like you can buy booster boxes and hold on to them for four or five years, turn around, and sell them for more because it's a limited print run and it's done. So with something like a Kickstarter exclusive, like for example, the Nemesis Medic. Only comes in comes in via Kickstarter, like that one medic thing is selling for a lot of money on eBay, just because it's not readily available, right? But over, but that's like the exception. That's not the rule.
1: I think yeah, there's there are things in, out there that become rare and beca- can become valuable, sure. But like overall, if you count all of the games that you're buying and and the few that may go up in value, oh board games are a very very poor investment. You are not going to you are not going to break even let alone make money unless yeah. your job is unless your hot side hustle or job is buying and selling games at a discount or buying them at a discount and selling them for profit. But I would argue yeah. that's a job, not an investment because that takes a lot of energy to do that.
0: Yeah, it's a business, right? Mm-hmm. Like an investment is tends to be more hands off, I feel like. Right? Like I like a 401k is an investment. You put money in and you your hands off and it's just going to, you know,
1: it's, it's time. Its time thing. will yeah. make it more valuable. That's that, Yeah, yep. that's typically what an investment is. You spend a lot of money on it and then over time it will grow in value. Yes.
0: And I and yep.
1: I, I don't think that that's what that guy meant. I think he meant more of like, I'm going to invest my money into this, this and I'm going to get a lot of plays out of it. So fine. But I still argue that, you, you know, 20 plays out of one board game is really, really good. Yes. When, you know, when I when I bought when I bought um Awkward guests and my son loved it and we played the shit out of it, we played it over and over. We played it like fifty times in like a couple weeks or a couple months there. And like yep. I got my money's worth out of it. And I got so sick of it, like I never want to play that game again. He keeps bringing it up wanting to play it again. And I'm like, no, I'm over it. But like I we went through all the packages. I had it we finally got to the bottom and I had to go and laminate them because we played them all. I feel like it's okay to play a game to buy a game play it a ton and then move on from it because you kind of get sick of it and you want to move on to the next one but like i don't need to feel bad about that because i've played it so much you know you don't need to own a game and enjoy the game for the rest of your life they can you can own a game for three years and then get rid of it because things change and evolve you know and the sooner you can get rid of a game often usually you'll get more money for it because it'll still be new and fresh
0: it's It's an interesting idea specifically with legacy games, because I think that's what the um, the OP originally was talking about was mm-hmm. legacy games specific. Now this is one of those things that we've brought up recently quite a bit because it's just it's a thing about the industry, right? Are legacy games worth it? Is it worth spending 70 dollars on pandemic legacy season one playing it 18 times and then not being able to play it again? And I think part of that is like, how do you, how do you feel like your money's being spent? So for me, I loved playing through it. I loved the story that it had. It was an experience that I, that I enjoyed. My wife and I did it together. I, I have the boards in, you know, like a poster frame hung up on my, my wall. You can actually, you can see it right there. Boom. So for me it was it's worth it. It was 100% worth it spending that money on that game for that experience, the amount that uh, you know, I was able to get out of it with the number of plays and just the sheer enjoyment and I always look back on it fondly. It's about cre- you know creating that memory of the experience that I had. Now that said, the main comparison people make with a legacy style game is the movie theater. If you go spend on tickets, buy a bucket of popcorn, you can spend 60, 70 bucks pretty easily at the movie theater to go see a movie. Well, that's a thing that happened. You enjoyed the experience, you're done two and a half hours, you're all set. But if I play that game 18 times and it was an hour each game, you know, that 18 hours of play at $60, $70, I think that's worth it.
1: It's worth it for you because you enjoy playing board games. Yeah. I think that we kind of get stuck in like buying games for the future. Like, okay, we're going to buy this. I'm going to play this someday. And that's kind of where I try to draw my line at what I'm going to buy. And that is, do I have a plan to get this played? Do I have a date set? If I don't have a date set to get this played, then I don't need to buy it right now. I can wait until I have a plan to play it. You know, and I think we need to be looking at games like, with the idea that we're going to play them. And if we're not going to play them, if they're just set off to the future, then just wait. Wait to the future to buy them. You know, they're don't they're not they not going to go anywhere. They'll be available. You can pick them up used. You know, it's very rare that a game becomes that rare and you can't get your hands on it. And if it does, then you just move on and play something different. I
0: don't know. For me, I think slightly different like that because I, I agree with your point. Like, you you don't necessarily have to buy the game now. That said, typically when a new game comes out and I'm interested in it and I know it's a game that I think I'm, or it's a, if I think it's going to be a game that I like, I will probably pick it up now as opposed to later. And part of that for me is when it finally comes that time that I want to play it, I want to be able to just have it and be able to play it because the way the industry kind of seems to be working is there's an initial release. Once it's sold out, it takes another six months for it to be reprinted and new copies sent out that sort of thing. Like we played Brass Birmingham on the Dice Tower Cruise. And I was like, this game, I want to sink my teeth into it. I really want to play it more. And then I tried finding a copy and I couldn't. Now that said, they reprinted it and I found a copy and I have a copy of it. But at the time when I was like, all right, I want to, I really want to experience this game. There was no copies available. So you do run into that from time to time. But I do agree, like oftentimes there's just so many games. You know, there's just so many. You can probably find something else.
1: So overwhelming how many games there are. I think the reason that kind of like triggered me and got me like all worked up is, is the justification people use to buy board games. I see this all the time. Well, you know, and you compare it like, oh, people spend this much money on movies and people spend this much money on their hobbies. It's like you don't need to justify your purchases of board games at all. You know, it really it really comes it doesn't come down to any other factors really besides like can you afford it? Is this where you want to spend your discretionary money on? And if it is, then you can buy it. You don't need to justify it in any way. You know, hopefully I think hopefully you're you're making wise purchases and you're buying games that you actually play, you know, but you can you can spend whatever money you want on hobbies. I mean, hobbies are a, a worthwhile um, expense in your life because they bring you a lot of joy and 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 it's true hobbies do tend to cost a lot of money and board games is one of the hobbies you can get into without very much money but but um regardless you know if it's a you don't you don't need to justify it saying it's an investment or this or that it's just either you can afford to buy it or you can't
0: uh, well part of I wonder too is it, are people saying that it's an investment to like they're self talking themselves into purchasing it
1: yeah exactly like. You're trying to justify your purchase. You don't need to justify your purchase. Just just buy it and enjoy it. And if you need to justify it, then maybe you need to look inward and think, why am I needing to justify this? Is that Am I feeling guilty? Am I knowing that I'm wasting my money because I'm buying all these games and not playing them? You know, why it makes you feel like you need to justify your purchases and look inward in that.
0: I justify my purchases because I want it.
1: Yeah, it's completely fine to buy things that you want to buy. You can do that.
0: <laughs> Thanks for giving me the permission to spend my money on the things I want to spend my money. Yeah. On. <laughs> like
1: you don't but you, that's my point. Like you don't need to justify it. You can spend your money and wait, waste your money all you want. Like it doesn't matter.
0: I think part of that too to like get serious for a second is just in general the way our society works. Like when i have friends who come over who are not gamers they will see my collection and be like oh my god like that's a lot of games how much money did you spend on all these games like and to me that's you know it's the it's my hobby it's what i enjoy i'm going to if i want to spend money on a game i'm going to you know buy a new game but the thing is like everyone the for the people who don't understand why we would spend money on those games. It's hard for them to grasp us spending money on that stuff. Just like I've, I've talked about this. My friend who is an avid uh, mountain biker, the amount of money he has spent on his like mountain biking stuff is astronomical.
1: It doesn't feel as dramatic because you, when you look at his mountain bike collection, you probably see a bike or two, a few pieces, like a few equipment, like you walk into your board game room and you see tons and tons of board games and then you think like you can't possibly play all these games. And that's probably where the judgment comes in.
0: Yeah, it was well, it was funny because like a few years ago, my wife and I were going to try to play through them all and then I kept buying them and she's like, I'm not going to be able, like I can't keep track of what we've played and not played. And I was like, well, I that's the reason why I have stickers on them the games we've played. So then she's like, I'm done. I do wonder why legacy games specifically are the games people bring up as bad investments?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. I mean, I guess if you want to play a game fifty times, then yeah, it would be a bad investment. But I don't think very many people do that. And it, but you, but even if you did, like you could play it twice. Then it's your fifty plays. You buy it twice. You have to buy it again.
0: Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say like you would have to. But that's the thing. I wonder, that's the other thing I've, I'm always curious about is average plays per game owned based on number of games owned. Mm-hmm. So if you have a collection of 10, your average plays per game is probably significantly higher than a person who owns 250 or 300, right. you know, that sort of thing. So it's just like, why legacy games? Because it it is consumable content. Is that what it boils down to? The consumability of it? Once you're done, you're done. You can't play through it again because that's the thing. I've heard a lot of people who have played through uh, like Betrayal Legacy is a prime. Let's talk about that. That's a prime example because it's a legacy style game. You're making permanent changes. But when you're done, you have a permanently changed version of Betrayal on House on the Hill. And I've heard people say, yeah, I played through it. We did everything like that. I have my own copy, but I have no intentions of pulling that copy out and just playing it.
1: Yeah hundred percent. Clank Legacy, same thing. Machi Coral is another one. Like, if I were to play any of those games, I'd rather just play the base version because it's just now it's kind of too much.
0: So with Clank Legacy, you played that with your son. Mm-hmm. It it makes permanent changes, correct?
1: Yep. And now you've got a unique board with unique cards and all this cool stuff. Like you can totally play it. It's a very complete game. It's completely fine to play.
0: But it almost like sours the experience for somebody who hasn't played through it right? Well, like, I would who, assume
1: I wouldn't play it with them. I'd just play, continue playing with my son.
0: Oh, sure. But, but take like the Betrayal Legacy. Unless you're playing that game specifically with the set of people you've played it with, does it really make... Does it really matter to bring it out again? Mm-hmm.
1: It, I don't it, know, Probably not. For me, I don't think it's ever worth it. I think it's... I like that I complete a game and I'm done with it and I can move on and focus on other games I have in my collection. And I, I, I love that about Legacy games. I love that they're consumable and then they're done.
0: You might be in the minority in that, though, you know, I know. in certain in certain regards. Like I kept my boxes for a while and then ev- like eventually I just I didn't understand why I kept I kept looking at them. And I'm like, why do I have these? I should just get rid of them. So then mm-hmm. I, I ended up taking some of the content that I wanted, um, putting them on the, the boards that I've framed or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. I, the legacy games get a bad rap, but I think there's some of my my most enjoyable play experiences.
1: You're kind of motivated to play them all, which is really yes. nice. You know, you're motivated to get through them, to continue playing them. I, I love them. I think they're totally worth the time and money I I put into them.
0: I agree. And it's it's interesting too, because I wonder, we all, people often have the complaint that they would love to play campaign games or they would love to play legacy games, but they don't play the games enough to warrant playing through them. You know, like, oh, I don't play those games enough. Which brings back to the investment piece. Like, is it really an investment? Buying if games, don't have to
1: play it five times, four or five yeah. times in its entire life. No, it's not. You know, it's not. Yeah. Play the games you have. I yeah, I say play the games you have and sell them. You know, if you're gonna not play them anymore, then get rid of them.
0: Yeah, I'm curious what our listeners think. Like, do you do you consider games as investments? Because I I it, I think it's an investment in my fun and like stuff like that. But as far as like a financial investment nah,
1: it's an really. expense and it's an and, expense and it, yeah. into your fun and, and, that, and that's worth it. It's worth you, life's not worth living. If you don't spend your money on, on hobbies and things that you enjoy, like that is completely fine. You don't need to justify it. Yeah. You just need to be able to afford it. And if you can't afford it and you're finding ways to justify it, then maybe that's the problem, you know? Sure. And yeah. And that's what I love about board games. Like you don't need to own all these board games to play. You know, if you can get into a a group, you know, you don't need to own any. People like to play their own games; they bring them all the time.
0: You brought up something specific, and it recently came up with me. I was talking to an individual who's not, who has, who has friends who are in the board game hobby, and I was chatting with them, and they were like, "Yeah, I've been invited to board game nights, and I've gone there, but the problem is," and they said this: "The problem is, I'll go for six months." And it'll take six months for me to replay the game I played six months ago. Yep. So I'm constantly learning new games and it's overwhelming. It's too much. You know, I think as people who are in the hobby, as long as we have been in the hobby, you know, we take for granted the fact that we know what deck builders are. We know what, you know, when somebody's like, this is a worker placement game, we instantly have how that mechanic works. This is a deck building game. Okay. We know how that mechanic works. Mm -hmm. you know so somebody can tell say the mechanic and we'll be like oh okay that makes sense i know i already know how this game's gonna flow
1: and we want to play them all we're like a lot of people who are getting new into gaming like they want to play the same game over and over again until they get good at it and that's like the normal thing
0: yeah yeah but it's people in the hobby like we want to it almost feels like you're searching for that next game that you're gonna love that you're you're looking for the next game that's gonna break your top 10 almost And you're not gonna do it by not playing new games. Yeah. I don't know. It uh it's just interesting because new players are just like, I I wanna play the same game. I wanna be able to like understand it and play it and everything like that. But as a board game person, we're like, oh, let's play something new. That sort of thing. Yeah. Interesting. Board games.
1: Are they investments? No.
0: Mm.
1: They're not. Mm. They're not.
0: Investment in your fun.
1: (laughs) They're an expense for your hobby, and that's fine. And it's fine as on your money however you want
0: you do you boo you mm-hmm. do you boo
1: yeah have fun buy what you like have fun doing it yeah all right well thanks for listening to our shenanigans join us next week please help us out by giving us a review and liking us on instagram or facebook send us any comments or questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com thanks everyone
0: see you next week